Drivers, start your engines! It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. All right, welcome into this brand new edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie once again filling in for WB, who's continuing to recover from laryngitis. In fact, I got another update from our fearless leader. I'll give you that update in the final segment of the program before we wrap things up on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. And we've got a jam-packed episode of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. A little bit later on, we're going to be speaking with Doug Rice of the Performance Racing Network as we'll recap all the action from the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And also we'll be speaking with short track drivers Bryce Carver and Blaze Crawford as well. So we have another jam-packed program of Southern Race Week Radio coming up for you here. So we're going to kick off the program this week. Memorial Day weekend took place this past weekend. So much racing going on. And uh, before we talk to Doug Rice a little bit later on here about the Coca-Cola 600, let's recap all the action from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the 106th running of the Indy 500. As we uh, check in here on the Food Depot hotline, one of the many announcers that broadcasted the race for NBC Sports. You know him. You love him. He was a pit reporter. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Mr. Kevin Lee! Mr. Lee, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio as you recovered from an amazing weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last week. And how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, Alfred. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, sir. I'm doing great. And I got to tell you, with COVID over the last few years, you know, you guys had an Indy 500 that wasn't a Memorial Day weekend without fans, and then you were able to welcome some fans back in last year. Now it was jam-packed to capacity. Every seat was filled. The infield was full. A normal Memorial Day weekend with the Indy 500. How was it like to pretty much get back to normality at Indy and have a just a jam-packed crowd at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? That's it. It felt good, and it felt normal again, and you forgot how massive that that crowd is, and it was, <laughs> I think, the second biggest that they've had in the last 25 years or so, around 325,000. The only one that was bigger was the 100th, which was a, a full sellout. They quit allowing people in by well, about midweek. They stopped selling tickets, even general admission infield tickets. So you could still get in, but there were only about 5,000 seats still left available, and they were kind of scattered about, not in ideal locations. And infield general admission was still allowed, but it was pretty close. So it was a great atmosphere and turned out to be an entertaining race, too. Now, I know you've covered a lot of events at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This is not your obviously your first Indy 500. But i got to tell you, the patriotism and the lead-up to the green flag, all the pre-race ceremonies, the singing, uh, the fans on their feet, everyone just participating. Do you still, after all these years, do you still get the goosebumps when you walk into Indianapolis Motor Speedway? You see all the, the pageantry that leads up to the green flag and then – and then the action starts. I mean, do you still get those goosebumps? D definitely on the grid. You know, I, I, unfortunately, I think sometimes it's taken for granted. You know, I live 15 minutes away from the track, and I'm, I'm probably there 50 times a year for, for different things. So, you know, I'm not going to lie and say just driving in the facility on a Tuesday feels something. But Sunday morning, yes. Sunday morning on race morning, you get that feeling. And on the grid, even though – you know, kind of like the drivers are trying to focus on what they're doing. I'm trying to think about, you know, what my report is going to be right after uh, all of these ceremonies are finished. So you're multitasking a little bit. And actually, in some ways, 
I do that on purpose because you can kind of get out of sorts if you, and I suspect this is the way the drivers sometimes feel too. Think about something else. Let's don't think about how big this is and what the meaning of this weekend brings. Let's think about the job we need to do the next little while because you can lose your focus a little bit. And let me ask you about that because just like drivers, they have a way to prepare themselves and get ready when they get in behind the wheel and start driving. You as a broadcaster, you get set to broadcast the Indy 500 or any race you guys are going to be doing on NBC and, and Peacock. What do you do to prepare yourself mentally to get ready to cover and call all the action from the pit area? Well, I wish I was smart enough to have a process. So I, I can't <laughs> say that I do. I just Mostly I just try to be prepared. I want to have my notes in order to where I'm not really looking at my notes. Uh, I've got all my stories done. We, we split up the pits into sections. So there are four pit reporters, so we essentially have either eight or nine drivers apiece. So I'm responsible for their story throughout the month. And to try to summarize that, and we know most of it's never going to make airtime, but basically we are tasked with if Callum Eilat's in my section and Callum Eilat ends up leading the Indianapolis 500 at some point, I'm going to try to tell America who he is in about 12 seconds. So that's what I'm prepared for with all the drivers that I have and just interesting stories. So that's really what it is. Just you need to have your prep done and be ready to go. And if you, if you are prepared, it'll likely go fine. Speaking with Kevin Lee here of NBC Sports as they cover all the IndyCar Series action on Peacock, NBC. You can also listen to it on SiriusXM uh, Satellite Radio as well. And Mr. Lee, uh, Marcus Erickson came away with a victory there at the Indy 500. As far as the rest of the race goes, was there anything that surprised you or jumped out at you about the, the race itself? Well, surprised again that the, the Penske's weren't competitive and they weren't super last year, but they did race well last year. And some were on the way to the front. Pagano got to the front last year and finished third from way back in 26. So uh, I think McLaughlin might have been on the way to get near the front. Newgarden might have gotten near the front until he stalled uh, in his second or third pit stop. So that's a bit surprising. Otherwise, Ganassi's, we knew they were going to be strong. We thought the Arrow McLarens were going to be strong. I don't know that anyone really jumped out and and got up there and shocked us. We thought Kanan would be good. Rossi made a strong move from the back. I think that's the big one that stands out is maybe it's how good the Ganassis were. We knew they were going to be good, but they maybe could have finished one, two, three, four, and then the Penske's unfortunately just weren't ever players. Now in the racing world, Jimmy Johnson was someone that a lot of NASCAR fans were keeping an eye on. This is, uh, was their, his first race at the Indianapolis uh, 500. Uh, he finished 23rd. He qualified really well to start the race. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jimmy's performance uh, at his first Indy 500? I'm sure he would have liked to have been better. He wasn't really ever a factor. Uh, they, he did lose some spots with a mistimed yellow. So I think he could have been maybe more in the mid-teens. But he was legit running, you know, in the 20s uh, when he crashed. So he was the one. And it's I haven't talked to Jimmy yet, and I haven't really read any in-depth quotes of what he thought about the race. So it's one thing to be quick on your own. But we never really saw him mixing it up a lot in traffic. And that's something that comes from experience. So I'm going to guess it was pretty daunting. And I'll be interested to talk with Jimmy or hear what he has to say coming up this weekend in Detroit about this experience. And, you know, I want to know, is he going to do it again? Because I think if you do it a second time, then you have a realistic chance. I thought he had a chance of, of finishing in the top five, a, a legitimate chance. It's probably going to be a long shot to win. If he comes back and does it again next year, assuming he's with a team like Ganassi that's strong again, I think he would have a much more realistic chance.
Now, a couple of names that float around, Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Larson. These two drivers have been uh, in the talks about possibly doing the uh, double, which is the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 in the same day. Both drivers said they won't do it unless they have a competitive team and a competitive car to do it in. Next year or maybe in the next two or three years, could you possibly see either Jimmy or Kyle trying to pull that feat off? Uh, I think we could. It's up to Kyle Larson, though. If Kyle Larson wants to run the Indy 500, someone will find a car for him. Someone will find a good car for him. So it's. I think Kyle was on the path to doing that a, a few years ago, and then he essentially said, you know, I'm not sure I'm brave enough for this. So I think it's up to him. If he wants to do it, I think they might manipulate the start times a little bit. I could see them, for Kyle Larson, moving up the Indy 500 uh, a little bit earlier to make it easier for him to get back to Charlotte. And Jimmy has thrown that out there as well, and I think commercially it would make a lot of sense for someone to sponsor someone like Jimmy Johnson doing the double and and doing the Coca-Cola 600. So it's a matter of can he find a good cup ride for that day as well. Uh, but I, I think it's possible, maybe not super likely. I still don't get the sense that Kyle really wants to do it right now. If he wants to do it, he needs to decide by the fall so he has a chance to do proper testing. This can't come together in February or March. Well, the IndyCar Series will be back in action June 5th, the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, and then June 12th you'll be at Road America, and then you'll take a little bit of a break, and then you'll be back in action July 3rd at uh, Mid-Ohio. And, of course, uh, USA Peacock, uh, Sirius XM will always have the coverage for you. And, uh, once again, Kevin Lee will always be in the pits carrying all the action from there. Uh, Mr. Lee, we always appreciate the time you, you join us to break down everything that's going on in the IndyCar Series. I'm sure we'll talk to you again as the season continues on and enjoy the rest of, my se- of the season, my friend. All right. Thank you, Alfred. What's up, everyone? It's Stephanie Moyer here, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right. Welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network itself. We continue on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast as we enjoyed a Memorial Day weekend. One of the great traditions of Memorial Day weekend in the world of racing is, of course, the longest race on the Cup Series schedule, the Coca-Cola 600. And what a lot of excitement and action from the Charlotte Motor Speedway last weekend. And to recap all the action, ladies and gentlemen, let's head on over to the Food Depot hotline and welcome in the lead announcer for the Performance Racing Network. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Doug Rice! Mr. Rice! Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. I know you are relaxing and enjoying yourself after a very long weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Sir, how are you doing today? It was a long weekend, you're right, but it was very rewarding. I mean, we got paid off with what I felt like was one of the best Coca-Cola 600 races I've seen, and I've seen a lot of them. So I, it was competitive. It was, had a just a touch of anything that you're looking for, it had it. And I know over the last few years with COVID, we had a Coca-Cola 600 with no fans. We had a Coca-Cola 600 last year with a certain amount of fans, and now we had a sold-out Coca-Cola 600. So tell me, Doug, being there over the last few years with COVID and seeing how everything has shaped up, how was it for you to see a sold-out Charlotte Motor Speedway for this Coca-Cola 600 race weekend? It was really special. I mean, I can remember back in the glory days of the late 90s and the early 2000s when uh, every seat here was sold. You know, and that that's a brief period of time. But, you know, it, it was a return to some of that. Uh, we don't have quite the capacity we used to, but it was still – it was neat to come up in on race day and you can – you can hear the people. There were so many people about there, – there's that little murmur that you pick up in the background 
And so it was it was fantastic. It, it gave everybody a good vibe. And, you know, I think a lot of them will come back because they were treated to a great race, even though in length of time it took five hours and 13 minutes and it was long in the sense of mileage. Uh, Alfie, there was so much going on, it kept the folks entertained. They didn't leave. Usually halfway through the 600, I can look out the back of our broadcast booth, and it's just taillights. And I looked out the other night, and nobody was leaving. So I I think it passed all the litmus test. What to you stood out about the racing? What for you, Doug Rice, did you enjoy the most about the Coke 600 race? Uh, the cars were very racy. Mark Darrow, my co-anchor, and I looked at each other after three laps and kind of grinned, saying, okay, this is going to be good. Because usually at Charlotte, they run one or two laps, everybody dives down to the bottom, and that's it. And they just ride around. And they were racing. The track had multiple grooves. You could drive up on the top. You could drive in the middle or the bottom. And and you could pass the leader if you were faster. So many times the leader has such a huge advantage that you're not going to get around them. And we saw the leader get run down and get passed. I think there were 64 lead changes. And that just includes lead changes at the stripe during the race. That That tells you that there was a lot of competition going on. And one of the scariest moments of that race was Chris Buescher's uh, car just flipping over itself uh, during one of the wrecks with a Daniel Suarez there at the end, uh, red flagged for a little bit. But uh, I got to tell you, Doug, I mean, as bad as that car looked and as bad as it was having it upside down, the safety of these vehicles have really, really improved over the years. You know, I'm, I, was, I had the call for that. And I went back and I listened out and I was pretty excited. I'm going to be honest with you, Alfie. I was never scared. It was a little shocking to see a car flying up in the air at Charlotte. That's usually reserved for Daytona or Talladega. But at at the same time, my brain went like, he's going to be fine. Because those kind of crashes, each time they hit, without getting too much in the weeds, it takes some energy away from the car. And... The drivers, you know, nowadays they're in that cocoon in the car. And I thought, well, he's going to be all right unless something flew in there and hit him. He's okay. And they knew right away, and we knew right away because he dropped his window net as soon as the thing stopped rolling, that he was okay. And that's kind of the universal sign that I'm all right. And they weren't panicking to get him out. But it was spectacular, that's for certain. Speaking with Doug Rice here, the main uh, play-by-play announcer for the Performance Racing Network, and as I mentioned, uh, Doug, we got racing this weekend for the first time in St. Louis over there, the Worldwide Technology Raceway. For many NASCAR fans, or probably not a lot of people know about that track, uh, how familiar are you with that track, and what can our listeners enjoy from racing that'll go on there at St. Louis? You know, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. We don't know what we're going to see. Yeah, uh, the Trucks have raced there. Cup has never raced there before. Uh Let's see. I think it'll be a good show because these new cars seem to adapt really well. It's a 1.25-mile kind of weird-shaped oval racetrack. So I I don't know. Uh, I have my, my confidence is high because these new cars seem to be really performing well wherever they put them. So let's let's go with that and just see what happens. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to string you along and say it's going to be great or it's going to be this. We don't know. We we have virtually no uh data to pull from to know how these cars are going to do. And uh you know, another great uh, weekend from Trackhouse. I mean, unfortunately for what happened with Daniel Suarez, but those 
Those track house cars continue to perform very well. Uh, Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. I mean, I can't say enough about that team. They have really, really performed very well uh, this season for sure. Well, I think combined they led over half the laps in the 600. Now, their finishes weren't that great, but it, it it's inevitable. Uh, Alfie, that's the way it works. You you lead laps, you win stages, you get your top five finishes. And then on some day, everything breaks for you. Now, Chastain's already won two. That day's coming for Daniel Suarez. They 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 have, as the guys like to say, they have speed. And if you bring fast cars to the racetrack – Often enough, um, one day it's going to pay off. Now, our home track here of Atlanta Motor Speedway, we're going to be racing here in July for the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart. Tickets are going crazy for that race. And, I mean, it was a spectacular race in March at AMS. We had a very impressive crowd. I'm expecting hopefully the same amount or even more people to come out for the race in July at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And as we get closer and closer uh, to that race date, uh, Doug, what are you looking forward to to coming back for the second time to watch these cars race after seeing them in action in March? I can't wait. I can't wait. I felt like the race in March was one of the best races I've ever had a chance to broadcast. I've never done that sort of pack style, they're all glued together type racing before. So I, I'm I'm immensely excited about it. And you know what? And, and this runs counterintuitive to what a lot of people think. I'm also excited that it's a 400-mile race. Mm-hmm. That's I, I feel, and I've said this on your show before, that's enough. Uh, let the 600 be 600 miles, Southern 500 and Daytona 500. Everything else can be less than that. I, I and, agree. And, I, and I, I, I just think, uh, you know, yeah, you can have a 600 once a year. That's fine. But we, we need these races to be in a shorter time window. 400 miles at Atlanta is probably going to be about – Three hours. That's plenty. Yep, I agree with you as well. Uh, Mr. Rice, you guys have the week off, and then the Performance Racing Network will be back in action on Sunday, June 12th, as you guys will be traveling out to Sonoma Raceway to cover all the action there. Uh, FS1 will have the television coverage, and, of course, the Performance Racing Network will have you covered on radio as well. If you want to listen to the broadcast, you can always download the PRN radio app and also go to goprn.com. You can check out great broadcasts, including Doug Rice with the Fast Talk and also Behind the Mic you can check out all those great podcasts right there at goprn.com. And Mr. Rice, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, keep up with what's going on, uh, we're going to go to keep up with what's going on with you as well as PRN. Easy to do. I've got an Instagram account that's Doug underscore Rice if you like Instagram. Uh, I'm not as active over there as I am on Twitter, uh, and that's at Riceman61. I still feel like I was the first person to tweet out the other day the – the Danica Patrick looks like Princess Leia tweet. <laughs> I'll give you credit with that. I will give you that credit, sir, because yeah. I, I, I I saw it as well, and I was waiting for that first treat, tweet, and it was you, sir. You started and that I, trend. I, I'm not digging on Danica. I, oh, I no. actually oh, no. like Danica. We get along great, and um, she was always wonderful to me. But we're we're in the we're in our green room here watching the Indy 500 coverage <laughs> at the Speedway. And then all of a sudden, all of us look at each other and go, look, look at that. You know, you, you can't help but see that. So, and also, and also for those of you out there, Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you get that, you got to check it out. It is amazing. I have, I'm hooked into that show. Oh, now, I've, so. I've watched the first two episodes. Really, really oh. good. Maybe the best one of the Star Wars 
things that yep. that they put up on Disney so far. I agree with you, Mister uh, uh, Mister uh, Rice. As always, we always appreciate your time joining us here on Southern Racing Radio, sir. Good luck to you for the rest of the year, and we'll we'll hear you on the air in a few weeks at Sonoma. Can't wait, can't oh. wait. Thanks for having me on. Hey guys, this is Jansen Marshbanks, Tour and Twelve driver of the Cars Tour. And you are listening to Southern Race Week. And welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie continuing on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast available for you every Monday at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. But we got another guest joining us here via the Food Depot hotline. So let's head on over and welcome in our next guest who's been on a bit of a winning streak there at Huntsville Speedway in the great state of Alabama. Let's welcome in short track driver extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Bryce Carver. Mr. Carver. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. Thank you for having me. Oh, no. Thank you for joining us. And you're on a bit of a hot streak. As I mentioned in the open right now, you've won five in a row at Huntville Speedway over the last uh, few weeks and so. So tell us about uh, that winning streak there because that's quite impressive. Very rarely in any series do you hear of a driver who's won five in a row. How have you been able to accomplish that? Uh, well, we've been working really hard, you know, on the car, trying to get good every week. I think we finally got it figured out. So we've been going down there and getting better and learning stuff. So hope we can keep our winning streak alive. Now, you can get a little bit spoiled when you win five in a row. If you don't win the next one, will it be disappointing for you after having such an, an impressive run as you've had over the last few weeks? Uh, probably so, but we're <laughs> going to try our best to keep it going. So tell us a little bit about the series that you're racing in right now at Huntsville Speedway. Well, it's just, uh, I think it's a 12 or 13 race schedule here, and it's uh, like a pro-late mom deal, but you can kind of run whatever motor you want. That's what they call it, the pro-late mom series, and uh there's been average 12, 15 cars every week, so it's been going pretty good. You know, you get a lot of help. I'm sure you get a lot of help when you're in this kind of series and you're doing short track racing. You don't have a lot of money. you got a lot of help, a lot of sponsorship, and I'm sure that is assisting you as well. So tell me a little bit about the people that are helping you get to the track every week, helping you in the pits, and also some of the great help and sponsors that are helping you out uh, throughout the season as well. Yeah, uh, Mike and Melissa with Wonder World of Huntsville, they've been backing me for my racing career since I think eight years now. They've been really my biggest support, biggest funding. USH Back Services, their local air conditioner guy that we've known for a long time. He helps us out, quality glass company. Uh, screen that porch, standing innovation, marketing, posting gases, hometown lenders, and that's about it. So you got a lot of help there for you. And besides Huntsville Speedway, tell me a little bit about your racing here this year. Have you done anything else outside of Huntsville, or, or what are some of the other tracks that you've raced at or some of the other series that you participated in over the this year besides Huntsville? Have you, have you done anything else? Uh, no, not yet. We planned on trying to run some of the big Southern Super Series races with Superlight Model this year, but so far that hasn't worked out. So we're still you know, trying to do that, but we'll see what's going to happen with that. Speaking with short track driver Bryce Carver here on Southern Race Week Radio as we discuss his winning streak at Huntsville Speedways. He's won five in a row, which is a quite impressive. And Bryce, family means a lot in the world of racing. 
And I'm sure your family's there supporting you, motivating you, and uh, at the track every week when you're out there performing and racing. What's it like to have the support of your family there uh, cheering you on and giving you that encouragement to go out there every week and race and win? Oh, it's definitely, it means a lot. You know, I mean, they've all been behind me for, I've been racing since I was 10 or 11 years old. So really, you know, they've supported me, been there for me through everything. You know, we went, started racing Speedway four or five years ago and we run late models for four years now. And we struggled in the beginning, just trying to, car kept having problems and wouldn't run the whole race, you know, just fighting things like that. But here the past two years, we've won, I think it's now it's 10 late mile races, so it seems like it's all coming, headed in the right direction, so hopefully we can keep it up. Now, when you're getting ready for a race, an event, something like that, what do you do to prepare yourself? I really, you know, I just try to stay calm and focused. You know, it's hard sometimes. You know, you get nervous sometimes, especially when you get on a winning streak like that. You know, everybody just expects you to go out there and do it again. So, But it's been fun. You know, it's nice to have a lot of great people behind me to, you know, make it fun and you you know make it doable for you to go down there and have the funds for what you need to you know run up front and contend to win now when you're on a hot winning streak like this you get a little attention drawn to yourself because uh you know like i said that's not a lot of people are able to say they can win five races in a row do you feel like uh you know that people might look at you a little bit more maybe some other teams in other series to go, hey, this kid's got some talent. He's won five in a row in Huntsville Speedway. Is, is it kind of cool to you to maybe maybe grab some maybe grab some eyes of some teams who might be looking for a successful driver who can drive it the way you do? Yeah, I mean that's my goal. You know, it's because like my dad told me a long time ago, you never know who's watching. So always try to do the best you can and think before you speak. You know, you get in situations you might get mad or get in a wreck with somebody. Just try to watch what you say because you never know at the end of the day who's out there watching you or on social media paying attention to how you do or what you say. So that's really a big part of it. Now, you're still relatively young and I'm sure you still got a lot to learn. How much longer do you want to do this as far as when do you think you're going to be ready to advance to the next series? Or is that something maybe five years down the road that Maybe you're hoping to get into a truck series a ride or Xfinity or something like that or even Arca series. Well, where do you hope to see yourself as you continue to uh, learn and uh, get better behind the wheel? Yeah, that's definitely my goal, you know, is to make it up to one of the top three or four series in NASCAR. But you know how it is. I mean, it's all about the funding, you know. I mean, if you could get noticed, that that would help out a lot. But, I mean, at the end of the day, most of the time nowadays, it's all about the funding. And, I mean, I have a lot of good people behind me. So I feel like if we can just keep – working hard at it and doing the best we can do and running up front and hopefully we can grab someone's attention before too long now bryce if our listeners want to follow your progress follow your career and keep up with what's going on with you and any upcoming scheduled events you're going to be racing in where can they go to keep up with you and uh, follow you on social media bryce carver racing on facebook that's my number one social media thing, so y'all can everyone can go follow that. Well, Mr. Carver, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio, sir. Uh, continued success in Huntsville Speedway. Hopefully you can win another one this season, and uh, we'll keep up with you throughout the year and continue on with your progress. So uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road, my friend. Thank you. Hey, this is Jamie McMurray, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network itself. We're continuing on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. We're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here. Joining us via the Food Depot hotline, let's welcome in driver for the Elliott Sadler eSports team. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Blake! Crawford! 
Mr. Crawford. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. Sir, hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, Blaze, we've been wanting to have you on for quite some time, but you've been extremely busy, uh, young man. You got so much going on, not uh, obviously outside of the world of racing. But one thing I did want to uh, talk to you about is uh, you're currently doing the iRacing series for uh, the Elliott Sadler eSports team. So before we talk about your progress in that situation, how did you get this gig with uh, Elliott Sadler and his eSports team? So last year, when I really started to get into the competitive side of iRacing, I had made my own team and had a few of my friends and we had made this team and then we started to have really good results. And then I started to get the attention of some of the people higher up in the competitive scene of iRacing and had a good friend, um, Donovan Strauss, who I actually uh, work with on legend car racing in real life with now. Um, he was on the team at the time and vouched me really hard to uh, have a spot on that team. So, Last year, during the summer, I got the opportunity to join the team, and it's been a wild ride since then. You know, since the pandemic started, a lot of people have been interested in iRacing. You know, the NASCAR Cup Series did it at the Invitational as well during the pandemic. And since then, it, iRacing has become such a big deal now. Was that something you were into beforehand, or did you be really become interested in it uh, during the pandemic when things were kind of slow? So I started iRacing um, in 2016, I believe. but. Um, really just played it for fun and then really started to dive into the competitive scene of it around when COVID started because then I had a lot more time to be on my computer, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I've been around iRacing for a while, but only have really competitive scene in the past two years or so. And what are your thoughts on iRacing itself as far as a tool to help you maybe improve your driving outside of iRacing, but when you're into a, a real car as well, what what uh, benefits do you get from the iRacing series? Oh, without a doubt. Um, I mean, this is the best training, any possible training you could get for the real world. Personally, for me, I know as soon as I started running a lot of the legend car stuff on iRacing, I found my consistency in real life to be a lot better. Um, I think that's one thing iRacing has taught me is just my consistency and just hitting my marks every lap. I think that's the one huge thing iRacing has really helped me bring my, bring my skills to the next level, not only on here, but in real life. And one thing I've been noticing following you on social media is that you are going to some of the tracks in the Cup Series when NASCAR is out at certain venues, and you're kind of helping people discover the the art of iRacing. Is that correct? Yeah. Last year, I got the opportunity to um, travel with a company called Cincy. They're out of Richmond, Virginia. And um, I kind of got that gig through Elliott Sadler Sports. It's crazy, all these uh, connections you get through iRacing. Um, but yeah, I got to travel to some of those races, um, basically teach people how to play iRacing and uh, watch the races, you know, travel to places I've never been. And uh, that was such a cool experience. Um, this year I'm doing a little bit of that, but we're, um, we've been focused on doing kind of like expo events and stuff like that um, and kind of going towards a more audience that necessarily have a racing background, just kind of people who are, you know, just casual people and trying to show them um, into the racing world, basically. Uh, I did get the chance to go to the F1 um, Miami race here a couple weeks ago, and that was such a cool experience, I'll tell you that. Speaking with driver Blaze uh, Crawford here on uh, Southern Race Week Radio as we're discussing his iRacing uh, series right now. He's uh, with right now uh, 
Uh, and and let, let's learn a little bit about the series that you're racing in. Tell me a little bit about, because I've been watching you on Twitch. Also, you know, you can watch a lot of the iRacing on their YouTube, Facebook pages, uh, all of that. Tell me a little bit about the series that you're currently competing in right now. Yeah, so the series I'm competing in right now is the um, Road to Pro Series, which is the first round of um, the year. Basically, it's anyone across the world can have the chance to race in this. And um, what they take is the top 70 in points from the first round to move on to another round to basically try and qualify yourself into the Coke Series, which is the premier series on iRacing for uh, next year's season. So I've been running that this year. Um, I'm sitting 53rd in points right now, I believe, and and based off my points. So tell me a little bit about working with Elliot Sadler. I mean, obviously just a, a, a pro's pro, a successful driver. What's it like and what have you learned from working with Elliot Sadler at his eSports team? Um, well, one thing I can tell you, um, Elliot Sadler is definitely a very down-to-earth guy. Um, he's given me a lot of knowledge and he's been a great mentor for us, me and my whole team, really. Um, he's shared a lot of cool stories over his uh, racing career. And um, really, it's really helped my, um, my driving skills, even on the service on iRacing, taking that to the next level, I think um, is one thing they've really helped me do since I've been over there. Now, uh, Right now, you're in the middle of the year. You're doing the iRacing right now. But as far as the, the – when you, are you going to be doing any physical real racing this year, or what are your plans with that? Are you, are you pretty much focused in on right, what you're doing right now with uh, Elliott Sadler Esports? Um, I'm definitely focused what I'm doing with um, Elliott Sadler Esports a lot. But, you know, I'm always uh, open to the opportunity to get back in a real race car. Um, I had the opportunity um, earlier this year to do that. That was a, a blast back in January. But um, I don't have anything planned, but, you know, I definitely think maybe there's a possibility during the fall you might see me in a legend car again here or there. We'll see. <laughs> well, if our listeners want to keep up with you and follow along, and, and if something does open up on your schedule, and, and where, where can they go to keep up with your racing schedule and what's going on with you, especially with the, uh, the iRacing series you're currently involved in right now? Yeah, you can uh, find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook um, at Blaze Crawford 4 on Instagram and Twitter and then just Blaze Crawford on Facebook. I'm very active on all those social media platforms, always putting a lot of stuff out there so you can follow and reach me that way. So if you want to find me there, you can find me there. Blaze, we always appreciate you taking the time to join us this week here on the Southern Race Week Radio, sir. Uh, good luck to you in the rest of the season, and hopefully we'll catch up with you down the road and continue with uh, your progress and your success, sir. Thank you for having me on. This is Mason Massey, driver of the number 91 Chevrolet. You're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, and that's going to wrap up this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network. It's Alfie. Uh, once again, thanks to our great guest joining us this week, uh, Kevin Lee of IndyCar Coverage on NBC, along with Doug Rice of the Performance Racing Network, and then a pair of great short-track drivers, Blaze Crawford, along with Bryce Carver. So thanks to those great guests joining us this week on a Southern Race Week Radio. And uh, before I get out of here, I do want to give you an update on our fearless leader, WB. He texted me the other day and uh, sent me this message. He says, hey, man, I'm having my first procedure on my throat June 13th. Keep fingers crossed for the following week for me to be back on the program. So that hopefully we will have our fearless leader back here on Southern Race Week Radio in just a a couple of weeks as he's continuing to uh, recover from uh, laryngitis and obviously here a little bit of throat surgery he's going to have to uh, have. So that'll be on uh, June 13th. 
So uh, let's keep him in our prayers and in our minds. And we are looking forward to having our fearless leader, WB, back on the program here in hopefully a few weeks. Uh, Don't forget about the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. If you want to hear this episode again or any of our previous episodes of the program, head on over to iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Every Monday we put up the new podcast of Southern Race Week Radio. Just head on over to one of those sites. Search for Southern Race Week. You'll find the show. And also, we'd really appreciate it if you subscribed to the program as well. And don't forget about our social media channels as well. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week and follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio. We're always providing for you the latest news and information in the world of racing right there on our Facebook page and our Twitter page as well. Well, we really appreciate you tuning in this week and joining us on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch back up with you next week right here on Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network.